0: Can I get a hell yeah. What's going on, fools? It is August 27th, 2020. This is the QTR podcast. What a great day to have Bill Fleckenstein back on the podcast. We have the Jackson Hole virtual shit show took place this morning. We're going to let inflation run hot. Jerome Powell says we're going to break it all down, figure out what everything means right after this. First and foremost, before we get started, I want to shout out my patrons patrons are the people that make this podcast possible that is it end of story patrons are people that support me on patreon they donate a monthly recurring sum to help to support the podcast i am going to shout them out then i am going to give you the two rules for today's podcast and we're going to get on to figuring the whole damn thing out first and foremost i want to shout out my exclusive gold and silver providers over at jm bullion it is the only place that I buy my personal gold and silver. They are fantastic supporters of the podcast. They have a great reputation. They've been doing business for a decade now. They've done over $3 billion in sales. They have great stock. They have great prices. And they are great people to work with. I enjoy buying my gold and silver from JM Bullion. I've bought from other places. So far, JM Bullion is the best that I have found. They turn around my orders quick. And uh, the quality has been fantastic. So I've been very happy with them. Plus, they are a supporter of the podcast. QTR podcast listeners exclusively have their own sales rep at JM Bullion. So you don't have to go through the website. And uh, if you want to put a face and a name to somebody to help you with your order, you can email our friend Kathy, K A T H Y, at JMBullion.com. She will help you find whatever it is that you're looking for. If you tell her you want $5 off, tell her you want free shipping. Because you're a QTR podcast listener, she'll hook you up with that as well. There is a link to JM Bullion in the podcast description if you are interested. Please support them for all your gold and silver needs. This podcast also brought to you by my brother Pete Hedges over at the Traders Path. The Traders Path is a one year old day trading community that offers the best of really what day trading communities have to offer. They will give you investor education. They will give you a daily watch list. They do a live stream during the day. They trade options and stocks, red markets and green markets. Pete Hedges took off on his own and started the Trader's Path because he wanted to start an investing community that didn't have the nonsense and bullshit of other investing communities that will a lot of times front run your trades. They don't really give a shit about you. Pete said, I don't want to do that. He said, I want to actually create a community where we can bounce ideas around with each other, where we are happy to kind of be around each other on a daily basis, where it's all-inclusive. And so he started one from scratch called The Trader's Path, and he reached out to me about a year ago to uh, support the podcast. And I'm very happy to support Pete. If you're looking for a great day trading community to join, you can check out the link in my podcast description for the Trader's Path and get in touch with Pete. He will get you a discount. He will get you a free trial. He will get you 14 days free. Whatever you want, just tell him QTR sent you, and he will make your investment community dreams come true. This podcast also brought to you by my brother Sangluci over at Wall Street Jesus and Sangluci.com. These guys founded the Steam Room what is the Steam Room? The Steam Room was the original piece of software to track original um, unusual options activity. So they started a trend in the industry, and I have no doubt they are going to be on the forefront of that trend as it progresses. Now everybody is doing unusual options activity, but the Steam Room looks at other things as well. It looks at The uh, order's hitting the tape in what order they hit the tape. It looks at market psychology. It reads tape flow. So it is a great tool to have because it can help forecast moves that will happen in the equities market. So if you want to check out the Steam Room, it's a great piece of software that can pay for itself if you don't trade like a herb. You can check out Sang Lucci and Wall Street Jesus. Their link is in my podcast description. Or you can get in touch with Lucci he is a dear friend of mine. Tell him QTR sent you. Tell him you want a discount. Tell him you want a free trial. Whatever it is you want, he will work with you to make sure that you get a chance to check out the Steam Room. Trust me, I know him well. He's an honest guy to do business with. You can also check out the 3LT Playbook and the Sang Lucci Master Course. Two things, the links for those are also in my podcast description. This podcast is also brought to you by my friends at Corvus Gold, my friends at Investors Underground, Ken R., Chris B., Nicholas Parks, Matthew Zimmer, Jay Mintzmeyer, my longtime homeboy, Russ Valenti, Crichton Titus, and some of my newest patrons, David Matson, Patrick King, and Avery Taylor. Thank you so much for your support. Brian Kilgannon and Matt Wright, Evan Crotchett, and the real CMFG. I appreciate you guys. How about Jay Gordon signed up recently? I appreciate you, my friend. Garrett Baldwin, Edward Chiolo, Simon, some people that have been with me for a minute, and some people going back a little bit further, like my friend Antonio Bachlig and Craig uh, Greg Trevs, thank you for your continued support, along with Garth Palmer and Gregory Hines, and how about M3, Max motherfucking Mulvihill, my first patron of all time, going back to February 4th, 2018. Max, you bet on a winner, motherfucker, because back then we were getting about 50 listens per episode, and right now we get about 30,000, so... Everybody needs to know the name, Max motherfucking Mulvihill. This podcast has a two-drink minimum. Take two alcoholic drinks, put them into your face. Actually, I'm considering raising the two-drink minimum to a three-drink minimum uh, to account for inflation. Matter of fact, why don't we go ahead and do that? We are going to uh, we're going to raise the drink minimum officially for the first time ever just to account for inflation. This podcast now has a three drink minimum. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not an investment advisor. this is not investment advice I offer. I have no licenses, no registrations. I am not registered. Please don't listen to anything that I say. Do your research elsewhere. Rate this podcast one star and with all those things out of the way, why don't we get some big answers? to some big fucking questions. Happy to have with me on the line today my first ever podcast guest back yet again. A couple hundred episodes later, still hanging with me. My dear friend, Bill Fleckenstein of FleckensteinCapital.com. He has been a money manager for decades. He is one of the reasons I started a podcast because I wanted to hear more from this guy. And now, Bill I look up my friend and I see not only are you on every podcast imaginable, but you have a podcast of your own now. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's interesting the reason you cited for doing a podcast because <clears throat> my rationale was similar. A good friend of mine, um, Mark Cahotis, called me in March and said, Hey, you and Grant Williams should get together and do a podcast. And, you know, listed all the reasons why he thought it would be a good idea. I was. Not not wild about the idea to begin with, but I was certainly open to it. And I talked to Grant, and we came up with a, an angle that I thought might be useful, um, which is called the end game. And I what I wanted to do was to take that format and and go talk to people that I may not know, um, but I've, I've read their work or seen them, and I wanted to have a discussion. Some people I. I we'll interview some people that i already know, but having a a long discussion that's uninterrupted on a complicated topic is something that's difficult to find. So we started out to do it. We've done five episodes so far. We don't have a schedule of any kind. It's semi-random. And, uh, and so, um, but my motive was, was what you just said yours was. And that was to, again, talk to people I might not know, but, know of and I want to talk about some of these in-depth topics like how does all this insanity end so anyway that's why I did it and it's been fun so far
0: yeah it's certainly but I
1: guarantee you it's gonna it's gonna take us about 20 years to get to 200 episodes
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's all right hey it's quality over quantity and
1: well that's that my my view on this is for for our purposes I only want to do it when I got we have someone or something that I think is different than what we've already done. And, uh, and, uh, so it's just our, our, our ideas will be semi-random. Who the hell knows when, you know, when the next one's going to pop up, oh, I have an idea, but any, anyway, enough of that.
0: Well, it's nice because you have such a great reputation in the industry and you you have such a great network, you know, so many, uh, people that are worth listening to just from, what I see you post online and other interviews I've seen you do. So I think it's a a great thing that you're doing and I would encourage my listeners to check it out. Well, it is expensive, you know, it's free. Yeah. Right. There you go. So you have nothing to lose. Right. (laughs) I always say that when people complain about my podcast, they're like, why do you say this? Why do you have this guy on? Why do you curse? Why do you do this? I'm always like, why do you listen? Right. You know?
1: Yeah, that 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 was a feature. You know, I've 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 been running my you know website for almost twenty years now, and I've been writing a column for, oh geez, twenty five years. Now. And uh, it, it would slay me when when people would like subscribe to this site and then want to harass me. You know, like <laughs> it's one thing to have it's one thing to have an intellectual discussion or a disagreement, but like out and out harass you, that that kind of seems to defeat the purpose. So. S- signing up for the site <laughs> anyway
0: especially when you're talking about subject material that needs to you need to have lengthy discussions about these things you know in addition to wanting to speak to you and wanting to speak to Schiff and all these other guys i wanted to flesh out things in a way where i didn't feel rushed uh, you know when you when you do a hit for tv it's 2 minutes and you got to say what you got to say and that's it and so it's it's really nice to and i think the 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 topic at hand and what we're trying to figure out is so serious and has such consequences to it that it deserves a lengthy discussion. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, yeah,, uh, you know, uh, but you know, then again, especially the way the markets have become so warped. I mean, you have to have some framework of what you think makes sense. But then you have to be able to adapt to the reality of the day, and the reality of the day is the stock market has been hijacked by the central banks and the passive investment community such that for all intents and purposes, most of it makes no sense. Has nothing to do with the underlying economic conditions, has nothing to do with the fundamentals of specific companies, has only to do with the power of the, the buying and the, the warped factors that were been created by the central bank policies. So most of the stock market makes absolutely no sense. Then you find pockets that do make sense and you have to understand that only half the market participants roughly uh, are going to have any interest. Because the other half are indexed and they're not, and that's not going to change. Right. So that explains why it takes longer for some things that seem so reasonably priced that have seemingly good prospects. They they don't get in gear. Meanwhile, any crazy idea, or in fact, the crazier the idea, almost the better. They can go into orbit, and, and that doesn't just mean Tesla. You could pick. You know any one of these big cap tech stocks, Apple, Microsoft, but you just you just whatever the list is. Um, so it, it, if you understand how the markets are broken, in, in in what respect they are broken, then at least it it allows you to look at it and say, okay, I understand what's going on. I may not like it. I may think it's going to end rather badly, although I can't say when. But at least now I understand the phenomenon. I'm not walking around trying to say why does why do these things act so bizarre? Why why is it if you look at, at Apple, cross-eyed, you know it goes up you know 15%, whereas you know X Y Z mining company or some other industry that you like that's got good prospects, that's reasonably priced, it takes so much to get it moving. So at least it helps. It, it lowers the frustration level, though. Um, if, if 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 so, for whatever that's worth, I find that useful.
0: So if you're a new entrant into the market and say you're looking at the stock market today for the first time ever, and what you see is this enormous disconnect, you know, tens of millions of people unemployed and the economy doing terribly in the stock market at all-time highs and Jeff Bezos is worth $200 billion right now, you're watching the inequality gap widen, what what mindset do you adopt bill do you come into it thinking well this is probably the worst time to try to fight the Fed, so you know just buy a handful of whatever and hold on or do you come into it with the mindset of extreme skepticism or do you just try to stay somewhere in the middle and pick and choose your spots
1: well you know obviously that's a very good question it's so difficult because on the one hand, if you just look at what the central banks are doing and then you understand the, the size of the passive investment that – you know, Mike Green is the person that kind of opened my eyes to this and we interviewed him as the third person on our podcast. And not to promote my podcast for, versus your podcast, but if people listen to that, that will help get an appreciation for what they're up against. Since I'm doing this in a, you know, in an altruistic manner in the first place, I don't feel bad about suggesting they do that. Um, so the market is uniquely um, warped slash broken, and that has to do with the combination of all the structured products that have arisen because rates are at zero and the massive um, market share that the passive investment community has accumulated. So, when I say to this person who asked me, i say look it's it appears that the stock market can 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 only go up until such time as a the investment flows to the um uh, passive indexers is is whittled down either because we have enough unemployment that corporate america halts flows to some degree or psychology changes for some important reason, and I'll come back." to that or the bond market takes the printing press or the fx market takes the printing press away i think the latter is unlikely to happen simply because there are you know all the papers kind of bad they're all doing the same thing so i always come back to the bond market and people often say to me well yeah but the the, you know the, the there's no bunds that trade so it can't happen in germany and there's no jgbs left to trade so it can't happen in japan and so it probably won't happen in america but it may be the corporate bond market the Fed is going to get its way on inflation, and they're going to they're going to they're going to win in spades at some point. I think what'll happen is then the corporate bond market, instead of buying you know X Y Z triple B credit, you know at, at, at a yield of you know call it four when inflation's running at you know two or three, you you, you might want a bigger rate or you could take a higher credit. But I, I think credit spreads will widen not as a function of credit deterioration, but as inflation. Uh, uh, Um, 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 compensation that's my pet my pet theory but the the one thing that is more powerful than all of these things which we which doesn't change very often is the overall psychological landscape so if psychology were to change about the efficacy of these strategies that probably would be part of what would happen to change the bond market you know um I can't and and then perhaps if the bond market moved you'd see flows to mutual sorry in the indexing maybe shift more to bonds and that could upset things um so what I'm what I'm trying to get at is this it looks like the market's on automatic pilot and, and can go and go only go up but if somehow it were to trigger and get outside of its band where the reinforcing component of the structured products and the guys that got to hedge that stuff operate and or and the market got weak. It could feed on itself and be down a ton in no time. So if you're looking at trying to to get into this, you have to realize that the thing's going to scream to the upside. But there's all kinds of but there's a, there's a non-trivial risk of a big trap door at some point that you won't see coming. Now the good news on that, if you know, if from from that perspective, is that the, the Fed would respond with even more. Juice, and you'd get another rally, just like we saw in March. And part of the reason for the rally in March was not just what the Fed did; it's also because these passive flows didn't stop because people didn't get laid off because of the whole triple P programs and all that sort of stuff. So, having said that, I can't bring myself to try to really party because I feel like if I was to join the party just because it can't end, then you know it would end in about fifteen minutes. So it's it's very tricky. For me, I'm comfortable owning precious metals, and the mining entities that pull precious metals out of the ground to me are, are reasonably valued for for a lot of environments, and certainly in the crazy one we're in. So I don't have any problem getting equity exposure, but my equity exposure is not equities per se. You know, um, other than that, you've just kind of kind of root around and find companies you think that stand on their own, which is possible to do. And just have an expectation level that it may may take longer for it to work out than you might have guessed. So that's a long answer, but it's a complicated question.
0: Do you think in equities, I mean, say the the party keeps going as you just called it, is there any re-rating of equities or is there any shift in equities where people start to pay more attention to fundamentals and less attention to story stocks or do you think that that's part and parcel with the market just screaming at this point you don't think there's any way that there's a there's a shift while the market continues to move upwards do you
1: i think that'd be really hard i think it'd be really hard because the momentum stock the momentum oriented strategies of which indexing is essentially one um you know they keep feeding on themselves and you know if some crazy idea gets caught in the slipstream of that it can go anywhere and then you've got the the craziness of the Robin Hood factor they descend on a stock or two they can move it around so I don't really think you're going to have the market continue to go up and have the big shift from uh, growth to value while while the party is in full force I I'm sure it could happen but I don't really see how it could happen you know intellectually my brain says yes it can happen but when I think through the steps it would have to take. It seems almost impossible to me for that to occur. Is it accurate? No, that's not to say that's that's not to say that an individual value stock can't move up and you know, can't move up in price because you know, there's half the market that's not you know passive and you know some of those folks are still value oriented and that that that'll still work. I'm not saying it won't work. I'm just saying it might take longer to play out than 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 you would think it ought to.
0: Is it accurate to say that? the further along the party goes here, say the SPY goes to 400 or, you know, the SPX goes to 4,000, 4,500, whatever, that, you know, kind of what you're suggesting is that euphoria will continue to grow and we'll get on thinner and thinner ice, you think, uh, from a psychological standpoint. I'm trying to figure out like you bring up the idea of having a psychological break, but I'm trying to figure out where the psychology of the market is now. I mean, we were pretty much on autopilot cruise control prior to the pandemic. And then we had this huge shock to the system. And then, okay.
1: Yeah. I'll explain that. I'll explain that to you. I think I actually have a good answer for that. So here's what I think occurred. So, The, you know, the passive does what it does and was moving things up. And then I think you had a shift at the margin of a lot of the active managers early this year, maybe, you know, pile in because it looked like maybe the thing was just going to keep going. And, you know, whether they bought value stocks or more momentum stocks, maybe the active managers kind of got out over their skis and then the market wouldn't break as the bad news start to filter out of china you know you you were early on reporting about it and i was as well um, and nobody cared and then one ha- then all of a sudden it got bad enough that enough people on the at the right moment in time said oh no and went to sell you swamped the whatever active buyers because I mean passive buyers they can only they can only buy with the money that they have, and so you broke out of the band and then all the people that had to hedge up the structured products or the hedges against the structured products, they had to sell. So all of a sudden, guys who thought they were hedged weren't, and they had to do do things. The active managers thought, oh my god, now we just buy, piled in. And now it's breaking the world's ending, and they had to sell. So you turned all these people into sellers. You got outside the band, and it fed on itself, and we went down thirty percent in the blink of an eye. I, I had always felt that the market was brittle, and it would only unwind in a whoosh or a crash, whatever you want to call it. And now I think now I understand why that's the case. So there could be. There's enough things going on in the world that there could be a psychological develop, sorry, and a a development in the world that makes someone go (gasps) (gasps) takes their breath away, and the market might be just tipped up enough, and you have enough active sellers to move it out of the band, and it feeds on itself, and there's no extra passive money, and away we go to the downside. You know, we could make up things. You know, let's say we. USA moves missiles to a place that China doesn't like, or China fires off a missile somewhere, or we have a contested election in just the wrong way, and, and, or something else happens. So, there are psychological variables that could, I think, there are things that could happen that might cause people to, to, to change their thinking, get enough selling to allow it to feed on itself. You have to get enough selling to allow it to feed on itself to break the present structure as it exists, but it's entirely possible. So if that were to occur then you'd have another self self-feeding decline that would go until the Fed did something uh and then the you know and, and maybe enough passive money could arrest the decline and you could see where it could bounce to you know I I'm not saying the market can never go down um I'm saying as it's structured it's 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 going to need some powerful catalyst to do it because the, the market isn't made up of people making their minds as to what should be priced where. Half of the market is people just getting money and saying, okay, we're buying at the last price is the right price, or we're selling at the last price is the right price. That's when they go down. So I, I, there are plenty of things that could upset the apple cart, but something's going to have to occur. The market's not just going to probably go go down by itself. You need something to upset the cycle psychology of the investment community as it exists,
0: how would you, in my opinion. How would you describe the current psychology right now? If you had to take a litmus test of all market participants, what are some words that you would use to describe the, the, the current psychology of the of the mindset of an investor in U.S. markets?
1: Well, half the market thinks – half the market basically thinks prices are perfect, and tomorrow they'll be perfect, and the next day, and this is the, this is the passive one. So they're not worried at all. They think everything is as good as it could possibly be. Then there are the 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 Robin Hoods and the Dave Portners of the world that think, hey, they only go up, and you know, from what they've seen, they're not wrong about that. Uh, I mean, they're not they're not right in their conclusion as to it, that's the only possible outcome, but they're right into that seems to be the only way the game works anymore. Then you've got people that have been around a while, and some of them are naturally going to be bearish. I mean, and uh, but some of them are would be like me and say, Yeah, this is a crazy structure, but I think I understand that and I can't fight it. So I would say the and then there's some that are just worried and tearing their hair all the time, but I would say the market is extraordinarily complacent and. Um, of the people that are liable to put money in the market, I, th- I would say the sentiment is borderline wildly bullish, if not ridiculously wildly bullish.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. When I asked you that question, I was going to use the word complacent. So it's it, I find that interesting that you came up with it, too, because that's just yeah. – that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like the market feels like, okay, everything is where it's supposed to be and everything's under control again regardless of the uh, macro data. I wanted to ask you yeah. – Go well, ahead. go ahead.
1: You've got the I was gonna say you have the other variable at work that so we're just talking about stock market action. Now when you look at the economy, you know, there is all this uh, tremendous angst over the, the the virus, and so the market sometimes will trade differently based on you know vaccine oriented hype. Um I'm going to piss off half the people that listen to this when I say, I think the virus is yesterday's story.
0: I think you're 100% right. I think you're 100% right. Okay.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, it's... it's it's So, I think people that were on this early, as you were, as I said, and, and I was as well, um, I, I knew that when people didn't pay attention early on, I knew they would overreact. And uh, well, let me get back to that. So, I, I was going to say... So I think it's over. Not that people won't get sick, not that there won't be more cases, but that the, you know we smothered the spike. And oh, by the way, we're, we're liable to find out that our bodies have have better protection than we would have guessed. You know, in, in the form of T cells and things like that. In any case, whether I'm right about that or I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, I, I think that the, 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 it, that's not the issue the country faces. The issue the country faces is the politicians have found out they can tell any business to do whatever they want on sort of the flimsiest of reasons. It's going to be hard to get them to stop. And meanwhile, they've done so much damage to the individual uh, individual businesses and employees. We haven't really seen it yet because they haven't allowed enough things to reopen, particularly in the places where the um, decisions were, were the worst. So the economic devastation from this and the potential meddling from this are going to be very bad for business and for employment. And in addition, my other big fear is the lawyers might really get to run wild suing people over, you know, getting sick. You know, I, I'm i really afraid there's going to be a bad precedent. So if you're a small business, you got to deal with all the problems that we but I just talked about then potentially being sued, and then if you're in downtown in one of these cities that's fallen apart because the people running it have no respect for the rule of law or business or anything like that. I mean, I just think the economic devastation is in front of us is just enormous. Even if they had a vaccine tomorrow, which they're not going to have, because I only use the vaccine as a mental plus a mental fix all, because then we then people won't have to debate the virus right. and can debate the underlying economic mess.
0: Well, I think that this is why I wrote the other day on Twitter the idea of Joe Biden coming out and saying, I'll shut the whole country down again if scientists tell me to. I think would be nothing short of economic terrorism is what I called it, especially given what you just brought up, right? A, we found out that T cell memory might give us much longer immunity to this than we thought. B, other studies have shown that some of us may have had pre-existing immunity, which would take right. the word novel out from in front of coronavirus to begin with, which would really would be stunning. If we had learned that six months ago, that would have been a stunning piece of information that would have completely changed how we thought about all of this. Um, I think when you take those things and you combine them with the idea that we are, uh, you know, there's 60, 70, 80 vaccines in late-stage Clinical trials, many of which are showing a robust uh, antibody response, and the fact that I think the gate swung so far in the other direction, right? In January, I was worried about what the shock would be to the system when we found out the thing was here. Now, as we've gotten more data, Bill, like what you're saying, it really, uh, you know, it was really March, maybe early April that I, I don't want to say stopped caring about the virus, but I really, I put it on the back burner in terms of being uh, something that you know. It, to me, it just didn't. It wasn't wasn't as much of a priority in, anymore. And, and I don't want to take away from people that will suffer from it and have suffered from it. And I think everybody either has or has somebody close to them that that has. But the fact that no, I don't, is, I don't. In fact, in
1: fact, in, in fact, I I think there's a lot of people that don't know anybody who's had it.
0: Do you know somebody that's had but- it? Okay, so you would be the not a
1: confirmed, not a confirmed, not a confirmed case. I have a handful of people that I know who think they might have had it. You know, I think I might have had, you know, it's just like be that as it may. I agree with you. I mean, I felt I felt around the same time. The bigger problem was going to be the overreaction on the part of the bureaucrats and politicians. And sort of that's 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 where we are today. But as as the as to Biden's comment, you see, here's one of the things. The problem is that people say, well, the science, the science is settled. Well, you know, I bet you most of these people that say that didn't really study a lot of science, you know, uh, certainly the people in the mainstream media, they probably studied, you know, writing or other liberal arts kind of things. And that doesn't mean those of us that did study science. I happen to be a math major and studied a lot of different science. What you find out when you look at all this stuff and people, science gets spun. It gets it's 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 sort of subjective, as you've seen what people say about masks. I mean, it's not debatable that most of these masks don't stop viruses or I mean, it's got to be a big virus particle as opposed to bacteria. But yet, you know, everyone wears the mask because they kind of think, well, it's the least we can do. I don't really do much at least as far as the, the what the data shows but people, you know the the one of the battle cries to shut people up and because we're in an environment where people like to shut the other side up and so you know there's a lot of things that say to you and that you know they you know they call you a flat earth or they insult you in some way but the fact of the matter is is there's not going to be any science that's going to show that the sh- that the country should be shut down there's already plenty of science that shows that that, that that lockdowns aren't particularly effective not the least of which is all you got to do is look at sweden yes they had a lot of deaths early on because they didn't do a good job of protecting the nursing homes it's just like uh our our, our, our new author mr como um and um, um but the fact of the matter is the lockdowns don't really solve the problem now they they were they were a defensible pop proposition when people were afraid that the ICUs were going to get overloaded and we weren't going to be able to use respirators enough of them. Now we got more respirators than we can, we can ever use and all the ones a lot of the, almost all the ones that got made in a panic aren't going to get used and now we find that you got to put the guy on the person on the belly instead of the back. So a lot of things have changed. So to even contemplate shutting the country down especially given how big a error the last one was for allowing it to go on this long um is unconscionable. But I I I not to pick on Biden. Look, all politicians suck. They're all whores. <laughs> they don't care about you. Now, having said that, there's some small subset that are that 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 are going to be the exceptions to that rule. I could give you a few, but that's not the point. It's not about doing the right thing. They're all just mouthing words. If you if you were if you've been unhappy, for instance, at the cities where some of this has gone on that are not debatably run by very liberal people, I haven't seen the conservative contingent in those places speak up against them. So both sides are wrong in this. The people making the decisions have made bad decisions, and the people that should be calling them for it uh, aren't. The media is, is, is especially culpable because the media has decided that their number one mission is to get rid of Trump, And therefore, they're willing to tolerate any sort of transgressions that formerly would have gotten you kicked out of the media uh, to to, uh, achieve their ends. You know, the New York Times doesn't even pretend there's two sides to a story anymore, as we saw with the whole editorial thing. So there's a lot of other cross currents here whereby the whatever the narrative is supposed to be to be politically correct, it gets followed like – OK, the science says we need to lock down. The science says we need to wear masks. Well, we don't need to wear masks if we're protesting for the right reason, though. Yeah, you know, I mean, they change this stuff all the time. And, I, I you know, I know people have agendas, but you you got to try to be intellectually honest or, or what do you have?
0: Right. Right. And the delta between what the data has shown and the spin that is put on it is really fascinating. It's it's Quite frankly, it's crazy because when I sit there and I and obviously I'm not a mathematician and I'm not a statistician, but I think I have a rudimentary understanding of some of the basics of the data that that were presented. And I sit there and I watch it and I look at it and I listen to what we're being told versus what the data is showing. And sometimes it's difficult for me to kind of reconcile the two. I'll give you a perfect example. I was watching a clip uh, from three months ago, I think. Of an interview, I think it was uh, Fauci's sixty Minutes interview, Bill, where he's sitting there and he's saying, "I'm not, I'm not telling Americans to go start walking around in masks. Masks have been shown to do very little, you know. And the fact is, people are touching their face, yeah. and you know, it, to where yeah. to where we are now, which is you will be, you will be beaten to death if you leave your house. You will be ridiculed in a public right, area right, if right, you right. don't leave the house with a mask on.
1: Right. So that's to sum it up. People have talked out of their out of both sides of their mouth on on many different topics, and that's okay. We're all human; we all make mistakes. But what's happened is in so many facets of all of this, the ideology of what people want politically at the moment has has trumped, no pun intended, whatever the science has been. You know, people can't look dispassionately at this because. There's the politics that, that, that people are, are, are so um, 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 captivated by. And by the way, I think the biggest accelerant to all this bad behavior that we're seeing in so many cities and even in the media itself is because people got trapped in their houses and got their livelihoods taken away. Now, I'm not saying that's a justification to riot, and I'm not saying all the rioters – um, uh, that th- there isn't a contingent of the rioters that are just bad actors anyway, but I think the way this was handled and what they've done to people's livelihoods and things like that has brought out an immense amount of frustration and people's, you know, uh, are, are, are um, uh, have a pretty short fuse these days. Um, so the, 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 the way this was handled was, 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 was very bad. And um, and I think that has the feedback from that has contributed to a lot of the problems that we're seeing right now.
0: And then they come home and they open up the paper. And the first thing they see is Jeff Bezos, net worth has eclipsed two hundred billion dollars.
1: Well, you know, but, I, you know, but, but, you know, let, let's let's talk about that for a second. It, it's like we can't make him out to be an ogre because I'm not. Look, I'm
0: not talking about him. No, no, I'm no. Talking but about let the, me, the policy that made that possible.
1: Right, right, right. But 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 to make one guy the poster child, when you could at least argue that his is one company that everybody really uses constantly and helped get them through the pandemic, perhaps, um, you know, there's a lot of these companies that are completely, I don't want to say useless, but um, where the C- CEOs have made mountains of money. And I've got some where I think the, the CEOs are real scumbags. I, th- I think what we want to say is the statistic that shows the massive we- wealth bifurcation between the middle class, say, and the top 1%, 2%, whatever you want to call it, right. that, that's, that, that's, that's more powerful than, than personalizing. I mean, hell, if you're going to put a new company in the Dow, why would you pick Salesforce? It's a tech roll-up, for Christ's sake. How, I mean, pick Amazon. At least it's a business. You right. know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying Salesforce isn't. But, I mean, anyway.
0: And I'm not I'm not uh, trying to vilify Bezos either. I'm just trying to make the point. Um, you know, first off, his his net worth would not be what it is if the Fed policy wasn't what it was several months ago and didn't come in and, you know, put a bottom under the market. And it, I'm not saying not, he doesn't it's deserve it. But, you know, but it's...
1: It's not it's, – it's Fed policy combined with the current market dynamics. It's not just Fed policy. Sure. It's a combination of the two. Yep. Yeah. I'll- so um, – but, but, but the, the, your, your point survives. The Fed has completely <laughs> altered the way markets work, and the, 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 the most egregious manifestation of, of that is how the index funds rule the price-setting mechanism now. So they're co-conspirators in this thing, the two of them, even though they didn't, you know, they didn't set out to do that together. Right. That's it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a two factor piece of the equation that's that's created this 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 monster called the stock market.
0: So given what we were talking about a moment ago about our thoughts on covid, you know, And and you're not the first person to bring that up to me either. I have another friend of mine on Twitter who privately, whose whose opinion I trust and who I listen to. He's earned my respect over the years. Said to me, Labor Day, he thinks it will kind of be in the rearview mirror, and um, not just as data kind of helps along that case, and the vaccine kind of helps along that case, uh, helps along that case, but also as the media shifts their focus a little bit more towards the election. Um, you know, that 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 it, it may not it's not going to be the lead so much anymore. But given those things, say that that proves to be true and all other things being equal, Bill, say the market uh, remains at current you know, homeostasis where it's at now. And there's no major shocks on the horizon and, and all things being equal. Do you think there's an opportunity in restaurant travel leisure names right now?
1: No, not for me. There might be a trade, but. This gets back to what I said the real problem is, not the virus. The problem is the destruction of the businesses and, and small businesses in America, the meddling by the politicians, the, the potential lawsuits, and uh, the consequences of the, this, the, the, uh, of the destruction of businesses, particularly in a lot of these big cities where so many people live. So no, I wouldn't make that trade at all. Fact, I think I, I mean, it might work. But I think it's a, it's a, it's only a trade at some point you're going to walk in and you're going to find out these businesses aren't coming back in any way, you know, close to what you might have thought.
0: So you just you think that the lingering effects of the virus will still uh, the, the legal liabilities and people will still kind of be on their guard about going out and things like that.
1: Yeah, no, I and I just mean the, the wherewithal. I mean, if you've destroyed all these businesses, and the, and the people, which you can't really see because they're shut and everyone thinks for when they open. When the virus comes, we have the vaccine tomorrow, we'll reopen, everything will be okay. No, it won't be. If you had the virus tomorrow, you'd try to reopen and you'd find out lots of businesses can't. And lots of people are not getting their jobs back. And, 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 and their financial wherewithal has been diminished because they didn't have money in the stock market to begin with. Or not very much. <clears throat> so, I, I mean, there would be a rally probably as though... Everything was going to be fine, but I don't think it's going to be. That's what I'm saying. the the, the virus is yesterday's story when it comes to looking at this, uh, uh, at the economy, because the real uh, the, the 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 damage that has been done is not going to be fixed very quickly at all. I don't believe. So while like like I say, the market the market may get it in its in its head that that strategy is going to work, and the market may trade that and trade that way for a while. But I, I think it's I think that the, the actuality will be it will not work.
0: All right. So before you said you were happy to be owning miners right now, I wanted to ask you about uh, a couple of things. The first is Warren Buffett's recent disclosure of owning Barrick Gold. I, something tells me you're going to tell me it's not a big deal and that it's not something that you real. I don't know why I just get this vibe from you. Like you're going to you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. But but you know, how how big of a deal do you think it is? well i think
1: it's a, i think it's a big deal from from one standpoint it will force any active manager that respects buffett or that you know isn't involved in some super growthy tech arena to say well maybe i should have a look and wonder what it was that he saw because he didn't buy gold and in the past he's been sort of disparaging of gold now he's been disparaging of gold as an asset to protect himself from inflation but he's done a lot of things over the years that would would protect him from inflation. I mean, if you read his old stuff, you know, when he first was starting out and what his father had to say. So, I mean, Buffett I, understands the concept of inflation and what it will do, and I think has tried to pick businesses that that are that that can can deal with that. So, it probably was one of his guys. And the interesting thing will be to see when we get the next quarter's filing. Did they add some more? What it says to me is is that what I already knew, that these things have reasonable valuations. And for the first time, really, in, and probably forever, they're, they're, they actually look cheap if you run, look at next year's numbers and run anything like current gold prices through them, depending on whether you want to look at cash flow or earnings or dividends um, they're, 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 and, and the ability to raise dividends. They're, they're attractive, and they're, they're, they're going to be gross, growth growth vehicles for a while now the real home run for them would be when people decide the price of gold is going to stay where it is or keep going higher the mindset of the market is the gold's on a spike and it's not going to stick therefore we can't pay up for current earnings we got to pay some discounted variation of that so i think he has um uh uh has likely caused people in the investment world to take a look at the sector which it hasn't done and i think that'll be good for the sector because the more eyes that get on it the more people are going to see hey these things really do represent pretty good value and uh and, and and could be pretty strong growth vehicles particularly if all the policies that work in the world continue to push up precious metals prices which i think they will so i think it was it was it was it was it was a, it was a good good news development for the for the sector and, and we'll have to see where it goes from there but he's not the first you know wall street smart guy to to conclude that i mean there's a long list i mean you know you go sam zell and um you know paul jones and ray dalio and uh muhammad al-rain and i mean from different groups you know paul singer you know i I could go on i mean it's hard to find a a thoughtful (laughs) really wealthy person that hasn't said hmm you know unless they're just pure momentum stock oriented people that you know that hasn't realized that i gotta have some gold or i gotta have something to protect me from this craziness so um, Did, does you, yeah i think it was it was it was a very it was a it was a positive development but you know it didn't change didn't move the needle much so far as you've seen
0: does your gut tell you he's buying more or does, or does your gut tell you that it's probably just a, a dip in the water and this is it
1: no uh, no opinion I, I i can't really believe that they'd make an investment that is so um, meaningless to the overall portfolio that would also draw as much ink as this was liable to do. So not that they care about the press that they get, but my guess is if you were – I mean, why would you buy just a smidgen? I mean, mean, Buffett is the first guy to say he doesn't want to buy businesses that can't move the needle for, for Berkshire. So, it would be on a character to get into an area that was totally different and just, you know, literally have a rounding error. You know, maybe they got started and changed their mind and will come this qu- quarter and find out they sold it all, or maybe they'll find out they got bigger. I have no gut f- feeling other than to say, I guess you've made me think out loud. This quarter, they're either going to have more or none.
0: <laughs> you what you said before How, how's is that how's that for a straddle oh that's good but yeah that's very that's very good you're uh y- if that was a trade i would put it on if i could if i could make that as a trade that sounds pretty good um uh, yeah, me too that's well, that would be a strangle though right that would be a strangle not a straddle yeah but uh <laughs> yeah. yeah my uh what you said before about the attitude of the market kind of making the assumption that gold belongs lower uh, or not even where it is right now, makes me want to ask you a couple of things. I mean, one is, uh, you know, guys like Rickards and Schiff say gold has to climb a wall of worry, that it's climbing a wall of worry right now, that, that that's what's going on. Um, and the action has been uh, bullish, you know, when you, when you zoom out and you look at maybe the last six months, the trend looks good um but really it hasn't been anything close to relentless buying even today on the jackson hole news you know that that bid up was met with sellers Uh, i know you don't watch it on a daily basis i know you're a longer term oriented investor but uh just in general do you think it is that what you think the attitude is now you think it is climbing a wall of worry and really there hasn't been a sentiment shift that gold's going to go higher yet
1: well, I, I I do watch it closely I don't act on that very often but I do watch it closely um no I mean look gold gold golds had a pretty good run I mean it ran from whatever I mean like 13 1400 wherever it was in the spring or March and to you know you know north of 2000 now it's digesting that gain and it's gonna do what it's gonna do there is I'm always uh, as someone who's watch the precious metals market closely and i've had a couple of good friends who traded precious metals for a living very successfully i'm amused at the number of people that think they can tell the gold market what it's supposed to do next there's no shortage of folks on wall street and on twitter that will tell you you know now you know don't buy today because it's going down to here and then on september 29th you can do this and that you know i don't feel like that gold is that predictable. Uh, I, I, I think that it's, it's kind of a wild animal and, um, you know, it's subject to emotion. Remember, there's no, there's no real fundamentals. You can, you can go dig into to get, uh, some sort of an insight as to which way the next fifty dollars is going to go, which you could do if you were looking. You know, there's all kinds of fundamental data on Tesla. It doesn't do anyone any good, but it exists. You, there's <laughs> all kinds of fundamental data on on in various restaurants and departments. There's a lot of digging you can do and say. Oh my God, business is about to get great right. or bad or profit margins are going to get better or worse. But that doesn't happen with gold. It's it's just a price. So a lot so people focus on price action, and a lot of people think they can divine it. Almost none of them can. And it's just like putting a price on it. You want me to get the direction right, which is hard enough. Now you want me to tell you where it's going to go? How am I going to guess where it's going to go? What am I going to base <laughs> it on? You know, so people concoct, well, it needs to be this variation of the world money supply like it was. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. I don't have any idea. I never try to put a price on it. I mean, higher is is about the best I can do. And where it ends up is, is, anyone's, is anyone's guess yes it's the kind of asset that if you had a real psychological shift where where the where the the public at large in the world realized i mean some countries already do this but a lot of the western world people don't have any exposure if there was a real party that got started given how thin gold is in, in a in a world market sense it could go nuts and at some point it probably will but you, you 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 can't calculate where it ought to go or where it's liable to go. I, I think it's unknowable. Now, I'm sure people hate me for saying that, but that's that's what I believe, and that's what the people that I know that are the best at trading it. I mean I had one friend of mine who was the biggest local in the silver pit and traded silver and gold sensationally and did business with all the household names you could talk about. And I have another another friend that did the same. They're uniquely skilled at that. It's not so easy. And they would tell you, you can't do that now the way you used to be able to because the world's a much bigger place because of the ETFs and all of that. So anyway, I was just kind of – I got up on my high horse there about you know people who think they can call the trend really accurately or have price targets. I, I just I, – I'm, I'm a little suspect of, of, of those two things. Maybe it's just because I'm not good at it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so I want to ask you uh, just a couple more questions. Thank you so much for being generous with your time. The first is uh- oh, oh oh oh, and one other thing, Chris. I want
1: to make I want to make, make I want I want to, people need to keep this in perspective too. We we create roughly we pull out of the ground roughly three thousand tons of gold every year. So and in addition, all the gold that's ever been found is still in existence. So it's not like a stock where you buy a stock, you know, uh, unless there's an IPO, I'm mean, sorry, a follow on offering, there's not new shares created. Well, the option process, option, option gifting process does create a lot of new shares. But so there's always new metal coming into the market. Now, we could also argue, yeah, we're creating paper, you know, in a, at a rate 10 times faster, 100 times faster, whatever the number is. Yes, that's true. But people need to be aware that there's, 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 there's new supply coming every day. And all the supply that's out there is still out there. So I just I think people need to keep that in their heads to keep themselves from getting too carried away. Now at some point when the whole world wants it, at the same time there isn't enough and it can go crazy. But anyway, I just wanted to make that point.
0: Yeah. And the supply in the ground is limited as well.
1: Yeah, it's basically three Olympic sized swimming pools is not that much or two and a half. You know, so I mean it's it comes to it sums to around ten trillion dollars, which is more than I have in my bank account, but um It's not a big number. It's not a big number for the world's financial system and markets.
0: So it's safe to say that you rest easy owning, owning miners, owning uh, precious metals. You have a very long term view and, uh, and you know, you just look for them to move higher over the longer term.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't sleep at night if I didn't own some gold.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same camp as you. I don't know. It just, uh, Especially given, it really it puts the whole it puts the whole central banking circus in perspective. So when I look at something like what happened this morning at Jackson Hole, and and you know if if gold wasn't there or, or I didn't own it and I watched Powell do what he was doing, I feel like every day I would be asking, you know, is this it? Is this the straw that breaks the camel's back? Is this what did you make of this morning's? Uh, presentation in this idea of, you know, average inflation calculation, they're going to let inflation run hot, right? Bill, he's saying, uh, what do you yep, make of
1: it? Absolutely. Well, I mean, they just formalized what I think most of us suspected they were liable to do. They don't really believe, first of all, <clears throat> they have this wrong-headed notion that inflation leads to economic growth. You know, this is a perfect example that if, uh, an, a, Something that's wrong is said often enough. It becomes the truth right. until it's disproven, you know, dramatically. And so the idea that inflation leads to growth is insanity. It's a consequence of growth sometimes, that inflation. But what they're really talking about is they're, they, they've they conflated deflation and depression. So they always say that they're worried about defra- de- deflation. I mean, look. The price of technology goods basically deflate. Nobody cares. Everybody loves it. The whole thing is a, is it is is just um, ass backwards thinking. But hey, they 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 they're the Fed, and they're doing, and the other central banks are doing the same thing. So um, they're not going to worry about inflation. They think that they could stop it in five seconds, which they won't be able to because they've put the their, the mandate on themselves. We're going to get full employment, and not only we're going to get full employment, we're going to get the right kind of diversity in that employment. You know, they're now. The Fed has become a social justice warrior, where they worry about global warming, diversity, and all this other sort of thing. Um, you know, they can't do their day job, but they're going to take on more anyway. Um, so, I think that today he formalized that in the end they're going to be too much inflation; they're not going to be able to fight it, and that's how they're going to lose the bond market, in my opinion. But for as for today's action, obviously. You know the market was weak coming in the metals market, and then when the news hit, you know I'm assuming they ran stops up, and then when it didn't stick, they ran stops down, and then they, you know, and so there's all kinds of, you know, guys trading futures, and you know since they're levered, people use stops, and people gun for stops. So I'm guessing, you know, lots of bulls and bears lost money today, uh, it, you know, as it had a basically a, you know, a two percent almost a two percent range in each direction. Um, so am I surprised it's lower? Um, uh, yeah, but but I knew this was a possibility because I said to myself, if it doesn't go up a whole bunch, they'll try to sell it, which is what's happened. So um, you know, but I think as people look at the news and they process what the Fed said, and investment people sit around talking about it and they think about all the things that they've seen um, um, about about gold. I, I think that Powell's formalizing of this new direction will precipitate more metal buying at the margin and wherever the, whether the price bottoms today, tomorrow, next week, whatever, the, the, the price will go higher as a consequence of more people needing protection. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, when I first started in the business in 1980, we just came through a period where people had been encouraged to have, you know, five, ten 10%, maybe a little bit more in their portfolio. I did. It, uh, uh, I had a conversation with Rick Rule for Real Vision a week ago, and I think the number of ex- overall exposure to metals is like half a one percent or something, something like that. Yeah, and, that, that's exactly you know, it, what
0: he said. Half a one percent.
1: Yeah, and if it goes to you know one and a half, if it goes even to one and a half percent, you know, he had a price figure. I mean, it would it would trigger a tremendous amount of buying, obviously. But but one and a half percent is nowhere because if you're going to try to protect yourself in a portfolio from an adverse event. If you don't have a 5% or 10% position, you're not going to get much protection. That's I right. Mean, you know, you got 3%. That means 97%. of uh, The other 97% is, is doing badly. I mean, so you need a number that's big enough to make a difference. And I'm not saying it needs to be monstrous. It all depends on your own outlook. So it, 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 one, it wouldn't take much of a change in psychology and attitudes about the metals continuing because that's already been at work. But it wouldn't take a lot more to move prices um, dramatically higher, I don't think. But that has to happen. you know. Some, I mean, people have to decide to do that. Yeah. In, in other words, the precious metals in the market aren't on autopilot the same way the stock market is, thanks to passive investing.
0: Yeah, the Fed is certainly doing their part, though, that they need to do in order to enable that. And it doesn't look like they're going to be making any drastic shifts in thinking anytime soon. Bill, you live in an area that's been disproportionately affected by a lot of the riots and the protests. And uh, the last time we spoke, we had a conversation about the uh, the George Floyd uh, murder and the uh, ensuing protests, which had really only gotten started right right about the time that we spoke. You know, we attributed part of that, I think, at least to uh, economic inequality as well. And uh, I wanted to kind of catch up with you on that. A, I wanted to see how things were where where you live. I wanted to see uh, if your thoughts on that had changed uh, over the course of the last month or two, given some of the new information that had come out uh, about that uh, arrest. And three, I wanted to get your uh, take on the most recent Uh, rioting and and protests and and assaults that are taking place in uh, Wisconsin and and the latest uh, incident involving Jacob Blake.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of that's kind of over my pay grade. uh, But uh, in Seattle, you know, the the piece of Capitol Hill, which is really not very far from me, that was turned into, you know, Chop, Chaz, whatever. Um, That kind of ended... Uh, around the time that the the, uh, the the black woman who was the police chief resigned over the city council's determination to defund the police, parenthetically, the police guild got 170,000 signatures from the local citizens to 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 fight against that. So there are two sides to the story of whether we should defund the police. Um, though you probably wouldn't know it if you read the mainstream media, because their narrative is as you see it it, there have still been some riots against the police or sorry attacks on the police station a couple of the different precinct stations downtown uh that's continued to go on it's not out of control at this moment in time the way it is in many other places so what i what i what i have a hard time understanding is how does abdicating the rule of law improve anyone's life i can understand that people are unhappy that certain policemen or certain people in authority have made mistakes and made bad decisions but there have been there are there are bad decisions get made unfortunately and you can do your best to to change that but even in minnesota the um the black chief there um, uh, uh, apparently ran on or got put in position to try to fix the problem and he was unable to. So um, again, you have to uh, 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 I think some people also though need to put themselves in the shoes of the police officers. I mean, you can't assume they're all bad and there's got to be a overwhelming majority of them that are, are really good people. They're out doing a kind of a thankless job. Now, parenthetically, they get decent pay and some of the benefits and some of the things that the police union may do may be part of what the problem is in terms that that is causing all the dissatisfaction and, and anger. But we can't not have police. We can't defund the police. It's what you're what you're seeing in a lot of these cities is what the consequences would be if you did. And so far, I think Portland is one of the best examples. Maybe it's because it's near me and I can, I, I know it well and I can follow what's going on, but the way the mayor and the, the new DA and the, and the governor and the, and the, uh, you know, the, the Congress people have acted is so that, oh, boys will be boys and, you know, they're good kids and they're not really doing much anyway, which is of course nonsense, but they've been saying that the entire time. And so I think I think that all kind of stems from the break with the law that these cities started out when they went sanctuary city. Regardless of what you think about Trump and his policies, when you say we're not going to follow the rules of the United States, we're going to we're going to change them because we don't like what that means for the people that are here illegally – well, now you start opening up the door to all kinds of of well, we don't have to obey this law, and we don't have to obey that law. Now, I'm not trying to say I'm a saint and I've never broken a law because we all have, not the least we could be speeding. But you know, you have to have some overall respect for law and order to have any kind of a civilized society. And <clears throat> I think probably uh, in in all of these riots, you know, they, well, sure they they they've taken it to some big businesses whether you want to talk. Saks or you know nordstrom's or nike or whatever but a lot of small businesses have been just uh crushed on on top of all the other things they've had so i think these riots have been misguided and and, I, and as much as i detest the rioters not protesters they're different but we've been seeing riots not protests for the large part um i i, I detest the mainstream media even worse because I don't believe they're as stupid as you'd have to be to believe that all of this is wholesome. So, I mean, it's – it's the mainstream media has become activists in what they want. They've got a broad agenda. Uh, and, I, I again, I'm going to make Blay angry, but, I mean, we can't have a civilized society with we say we're not going to have police and we're going to let uh, – well, the police can't do anything with force. So what do you think the criminals are going to do? It's no – there's no – It's not coincidental that the shootings in New York and Chicago and even in Seattle, in them and that many, but have gone up in the wake of all of this. So it's really kind of a travesty that people are so pissed about each other's political differences and things like that. And, and of course, it's all been fomented by being locked down, which was not properly. Now you have the situation where we can't even, we can't even agree that we whatever we're going to do. I mean, uh, rioting's not going to solve anything, nor is getting getting rid of the police.
0: Well, and we talk about that delta again between facts and what were presented by the media. I saw a photograph yesterday. Somebody had spray-painted on a wall. The media is the virus, and... (laughs) Oh, God, I wish that was a bumper sticker. I'd buy it in a second. And I can't help but think, Bill, when I look at... COVID like we're talking earlier, and I see the way that the media is presenting it versus what the ongoing data has told us and what some of these new studies have told us. Similarly, the way that the media presented the George Floyd incident before the body cam footage was given to the public versus Mm -hmm. the objective kind of analysis of the footage that I made on my own. I, I went back and I saw clips of somebody on CNN who had seen the video cam footage before it was released publicly. And I was listening to them describe it. And, and then I was watching the video and the two weren't even close to each other. And I feel like that Delta just keeps getting wider and wider. And I feel like it enables, uh, it enables riots. It enables these, uh, this chaos it enables, like last night, for instance. I'm sure you saw that photograph of the Chiron on CN, uh, CNN saying, "You know, most mostly peaceful protests continue, but for you know some fiery uh, areas." And behind the reporter, it looked like the entire fucking city was on fire. And it's just like, well, how how long are people gonna how long are people gonna just digest what the media is telling them? Maybe I guess in some cases because they want to confirm their own biases without without checking up on these things on their own. Because it really – it makes a huge difference. So You talk about bifurcation.
1: Well, the uh, I mean that is the most brilliant thing I think you've ever said. The media is the virus. I'm going to steal that line. I want you to – you should – hey, Chris, why not get another – I think it's a great
0: cause for a tattoo. Yeah. Well, I didn't come but, up um, with it though. I saw it elsewhere, so I don't want to. take all right. for It's it.
1: all right. It's all right. Plagiarization is the most sincere form of flattery. Is that? A, uh, it's not the case um, when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had someone actually plagiarize my book, and that was not so fun. But anyway, um, but but I mean, I cannot watch CNN. You know, it's a shame. I used to I used to love CNN, and I love the New York Times. I can't watch CNN. And I, I turn to the New York Times at warp speed just to make sure I don't miss any headlines because they're they're not really um, presenting the news. It's all op-ed, and that's fine if you're willing to, to buy into whatever it is they say. But I'd rather get both sides and make a decision for myself right. rather than have somebody tell me what I'm supposed to think, right. and then when I don't agree with them, have them call me some name that ends in I-S-T.
0: Yeah, Exactly, and that's exactly what's going on, you know. That's what the uh, the networks are saying. We have to, you know, we have to pay attention to fight fascism, to fight, you know. Uh, right. And if you disagree, you're a right. fascist. It's like fa- right. fascism. You were talking about right. fascism, you know. Like, right. Right. <laughs> it's uh, you know, and then the comparison. But anyway, that's to,
1: it's 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 unfortunately where we are at the moment, and of course we got this election coming up, and it's you know this this whole. Uh, um, um, hatred and vilification—all this stuff's gonna gonna ratchet up till we get to the election, and then it's either gonna then 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 <laughs> I'll make another obvious. I, I think it's either gonna get way worse, or maybe we'll finally get to the end of it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. you. Know,
1: or maybe we're maybe we're headed for a dark period for five or ten years. I don't know. Um, there's nothing going on that is encouraging. That's for sure.
0: That I agree with you there. It certainly feels. Ominous, doesn't it, right now? Yes. Yeah. All right, Bill. Well, listen. Uh, thanks so much for being generous with your time today, my friend. Uh, I'm going to let you go, but uh, I appreciate you taking the call and doing the podcast. And I couldn't be happier to see you and uh, and Grant Williams doing your thing. And incidentally enough, a lot of a lot of people that I like to listen to are out there more and more now. And I think it's. Really cool. I think it would be great if you know your perspective, and not just your podcast, but the appearances that I've seen you do on other people's podcasts, and uh, man, if you guys and guys like Schiff and if you guys could just usurp and just swallow the whole financial media machine, that would really make me happier than a pig and shit. So. Well,
1: uh, don't, don't start partying because it's not liable to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. Thanks again, my friend. I appreciate you as I always do.
1: Okay, Chris. Alright,
0: take care. That was the man himself, Bill Fleckenstein. You may have heard him on QTR podcast number one. Numero Uno. The man took a chance to come on. And now look, we're buddies. He doesn't even yell at me that much anymore in the podcast. We're uh we're actually quite civil with one another. <laughs> All right, fools, I got a lot going on. I want to say thank you again to my patrons that make this podcast possible. Your support is genuinely appreciated. It is the engine that keeps things going. And uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and a lovely week ahead. Peace.